I've been away for a few weeks. I've been to a lot of other places, and just to come back and to, to worship with you and to pray together. It's good, isn't it? It's a good thing. And uh, to open the Word of God together, I, I'm, I'm excited about these sermons, uh, this series we're working through, the parables of Jesus. And today we come to Matthew chapter 18. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Matthew chapter 18, uh, beginning in verse 21. And uh, why don't we stand together? We've been sitting for a while. Why don't, why don't we stand together in, uh, in honor of the word, actually, uh, before the Lord as we read this text. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, 10,000 talents, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this... The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow. That's ominous. <laughs> we better pray. <laughs> And give some thought to this. Lord, um, this is quite a story. It's dramatic. Um, it's relevant. Uh, it's challenging. So we ask that you would just, just be present to us by your spirit and speak 
truth to us through this word, through, through my words. Uh, Lord, help us to hear what it is that you might be saying, that we might respond faithfully and uh, be the people that you have called us to be and to have the witness that you intend for us to have in this city. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The servant owed a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money. It was time to settle accounts. The king called the servant into his presence. The palace of the king was uh, an ornate and uh, impressive place designed to intimidate the people who came, and, and it had its intended effect on this servant who came and, and climbed the stairs. You knew there had to be stairs because uh, you know, you're, you're trying to intimidate here. You've got big wooden doors. He goes through the doors, the, the deep, thick carpet, the tapestries on the walls, the, the impressive paintings, the elevated chair of the king. As the servant comes before him and the king says to him, says here, you owe me a lot of money. Uh, Yes, sir. I need you to pay me what you owe. Uh, yes, sir. I mean, no, sir. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have that kind of money. At which point the king ordered the man to be taken, he and his family, and to be put into prison, tortured until he could pay back everything he owed, which is a hard thing to do from prison, of course. Wait, wait a minute. The servant says, just, just give me a moment. I'll pay you back. I, I promise. I'll pay you everything I owe. Just give me a little bit of time. Now, I'm not sure that there was anything particularly impressive about this servant. I don't know that he had come with a particularly compelling repayment plan, a, a business strategy, a way to, uh, to see this. The text says the king had pity on the servant. He was willing to exercise grace, mercy, even he called for the account book. The uh, book was brought, uh, opened to the page where the servant's name appeared at the top. He took the page, tore it from the book, ripped it into pieces, said to the servant, go from here. Your debt is canceled. You're free. Awesome. Now I imagine to be freed of a debt of that, uh, that extent, would change a man. You know, to be freed of that kind of burden ought to have some kind of deep impact, but such was not the case for this particular servant, who, as he left the palace, went back out of the throne room, through the, across the carpet, past the tapestries, down the stairs to the street below, where he encountered one of his own debtors. He took the man by the neck, choked him, and demanded that he pay back a debt 
that amounted to the equivalent of cab fare. Some of the other servants were still present and observed this, and they were outraged, you can imagine. They sent word back to the king who called the servant back into his presence and said, what did I just hear? Weren't you just standing here a minute ago? Didn't I just forgive your debt? What's this I hear about you demanding repayment from somebody else? The king had him taken, tortured, put in jail until he could pay back everything he owed and given the size of the debt. As far as I can imagine, he's still there. This servant's inability to forgive others made obvious his inability to receive forgiveness for himself. His lack of grace indicated his inability to receive grace. His unforgiving spirit held him captive, just as captive as as any bars or jail cell might have held. I I think there's really uh, just one point to this text. Sometimes uh, that's true with parables. You know, I know it's traditional for a preacher to offer three points, and, you know, I often do that. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I got one for you today, and it's pretty simple. You've probably already figured it out. Those who've been forgiven are forgiving. Those who've received forgiveness grant forgiveness. I mean, it's obvious, really. It should be. It was obvious to the other servants who who saw this happen on the street. I mean, in some ways, it's it's kind of social justice, right? Like, blessed people ought to pay it forward, right? Like, like when, when people who've received a blessing try to play, play the advantage over other people, I mean, that's terrible. It's, it's despicable. It's odious, and everybody sees it. Right? Even the casual bystander, these other servants, say, no, this isn't right. He's been forgiven. He ought to be forgiving, That's the way it should work, right? Everybody understands that justice requires repayment. But this is a pretty big debt to repay. This is a lot of money. Servant says, be patient with me. Just just give me a little more time. (laughs) Do you have any idea how much time would have been required <laughs> to pay back a debt of uh, 10,000 talents? Well, let's do the math on this. Uh, 10,000 talents. The talent in those days was the largest unit of measurement, uh, financial measurement uh, at the time. It was a ridiculous amount of money. A big, uh, the, the little um, thing in the, the footnote in my Bible says 10,000 talents. A talent was worth about 20 years of a day laborer's wages. So I'm thinking, you know, that day laborer has to, uh, 
has to eat and, you know, has to manage life and pay the debt out of the abundance, you know, after. And uh, so we're talking hundreds of thousands of years <laughs> that it would take to repay this debt. I mean, I understand that uh, at that time, the entire tax revenue uh, for the whole region, for uh, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Idumea, uh, Samaria, the whole region, the entire annual tax revenue for the whole region was 600 talents a year. Okay. So with 600 talents, you could pay for a whole year all of the judges, all of the police, all of the hospital, like whatever you needed. I mean, that was the tax revenue. This guy owed 10,000 talents. So clearly this is exaggerating. You know, I mean, this, this is Jesus pressing a point, you know, exaggerating it for effect. And what an effect. 10,000 talents. Well, this whole story is told by Jesus in response to Peter's question about forgiveness in the context of the local church. Right? I mean, uh, <laughs> this is from Matthew 18. I don't know about you. I've been around churches for a while. Whenever I hear somebody reference Matthew 18, I, I don't necessarily think about this text. I think about the text that comes just before it. You know, where instructions are given for how a church is supposed to manage what happens when somebody engages in persistent sin in, in the context of the church. And, and Peter here understands that the church ought to be a place of forgiveness, right? That makes sense. We, we get that. This is a church. We ought to be forgiving people within the context of the church, Sure, we have our uh, practices, our policies, our procedures, which you know, even Jesus described earlier on in the chapter, as I mentioned. But uh, Peter understands at the core, at the base, we ought to be forgiving people. But th there ought to be a limit, right? <laughs> like, like you can't just keep on forgiving constantly when you're talking about habitual sin. Well, not according to Jesus. I tell you the truth, he says, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some uh, have suggested, actually suggests, uh, seven times 70 times, which would be 490 times. Again, another ridiculous number in the text offered to, you know, exaggerated for effect. Uh, the the uh, Jewish leaders, the rabbis at the time, suggested three times would be reasonable. And, and I suggest that's, that's pretty good, actually. I mean, think about it. Somebody sins against you, does something really hurtful to you, and somehow, some, somehow, I mean, think about, the, I'm serious here, think about some of the times you've been hurt by somebody else. Think about some, some of those really deeply painful times when, when somebody has sinned against you and you've paid for that, you know, it's come out of your, your hide, so to speak. And somehow, by the grace of God, you found it within yourself, the strength of the Holy Spirit, to forgive them. Wow, that's awesome. And then they do it again. Are you kidding me? We've got to go through this all over again? 
But you do. And then it happens again. The, the rabbi said three times. That, that, you, know, you, you forgive the same sin three times in a row? <laughs> Good on you, man. Peter suggests seven times in keeping with the, you know, the, the number of fullness, right? You know, it seems pretty generous. It seems pretty reasonable. But Jesus says, no. You just got to keep forgiving. 77 times, seven times, 70 times. I mean, just an infinite turning of the other cheek. Smack. Over and over and over and over again. Consider that we are talking about serial sin and, and the compounding effect of such sin. Because you understand the first time is bad enough, but the second time makes it worse. The third time, it becomes exponential. We're not, we're not playing here. We're not messing around. This is, the scripture calls us to something deep and profound, something that the world has only ever seen in the person of Jesus himself. Because Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done himself. Over and over and over and over again, time after time, for eternity. We have this twisted idea somehow that, that to be owed uh, is to be superior. You know? like, like somehow, if somebody owes us something, we can stand above them. You know, to, to have the advantage over someone, uh, to have the upper hand, means that we can act abusively. In, in direct contrast to the way in which God in Christ has treated us. I, uh, I've benefited a little bit in, in this, when I'm offering you from a, a sermon that I I heard by a guy named Eugene Lowry uh, some years ago, and uh, he describes this this number thing, you know, uh, in the manner of, of uh, in a childlike manner. So you know, you remember when you were playing with your friends when you were a little child, and you were trying to imagine a number, like a, the biggest number you could think of, the, the the most incredible, amazing, like largest number imaginable. A million zillion. <laughs> That's the kind of number we're talking here. That's the kind of math we're doing. You understand, right? You and I, we've been forgiven a million zillion. We we're not the king in this story. We're the servant who has owed an unimaginable 
debt. And as extreme as our sin has been, so has been the grace of God, his love offered in our behalf. You know, when it says in the Bible that Jesus loved us, I'm not just talking about like this emotional happy feeling. Like, like Jesus died for us while we were still sinning. Romans 5.8. While we were grabbing others by the neck for their paltry debts to us, Jesus was stooping down to place upon our neck his loving kiss. Lord, we're we're grateful. Thank you. We're also shameful that we would be so quick to receive the gift of God in Christ and so slow to offer the same forgiveness to others who have hurt us. Lord, forgive us yet again. And we will seek to be so forgiving to others. One of the reasons I love this story is it isn't just about my forgiveness. it, It is that, but it's not just about us. It, it, it's about how we engage others. You know, it extends beyond just us. It, it goes to the, to the level of the community, the church, the, the city. It, it, it moves beyond just what we receive to others. And, and, and here's the thing, you know, as the servant had to learn in, in the text that my receipt of grace is not complete until I figured out how to offer that same kind of grace to others. until I learn how to forgive others the way I myself have been forgiven. I, I, really haven't under, I really haven't understood. I really haven't received the grace that God has given me. And, and I understand, you know, we are, we're saved by grace through faith. It isn't because we've forgiven that we are forgiven, right? It's not like the servant said, said, said to the master, said to the king, hey, hey look, uh, let me go out there. Let me show you how forgiving I can be, and then you can forgive me. No. The king had pity on him while he was still a sinner, while he was still unforgiving. He, he forgave first. But, you know, I think of it like, like James said in, in James chapter 2. You know, we understand that, that uh, salvation is by grace through faith, but we also understand that faith that doesn't show itself in, in, in practically is it, dead. So I take from that and from this this parable that that if we have not yet found the ability to offer this kind of forgiveness, this kind of mercy, this kind of grace to others, then what confidence do we have that we have even received it ourselves? Because those who've been forgiven 
are forgiving. We're talking, we're talking an unflinching forgiveness here. You know, some of the ways that we typically try to handle forgiveness in our lives, in our churches, in our families, and but we we try to do it by setting the sin at a discount. Do you know what I mean? We say things like, you know, somebody, somebody comes to us and says, will you forgive me? And we say things like, oh, yeah, sure, it's no big deal. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. I've forgotten it already. No! Sin always matters. Like, it's bad stuff, right? Like, it hurts. We've done damage to people. The way to forgive is not just to cultivate a bad memory. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, real forgiveness? Real forgiveness is looking steadily at the sin the sin, with, the sin that is left over without any excuse after all allowances have been made. And seeing it in all of its horror and dirt and meanness and malice and still being wholly rec- reconciled to the person who did it. That's the manner of forgiveness that our God has given us. He didn't forgive us by saying, you know what, I know I gave you these commandments, but I didn't really mean it. It's not really that big a deal. No, it's a big deal. It's the biggest of deals. And I'm, I'm forgiving you anyway. Because that's who I am. And given that you and I have been forgiven that way, I'm a million zillion. Jesus has every right, the absolute right to judge us. And all he does is keep forgiving us over and over, 70 times 7, a million zillion. So I wonder what we could unlock in this world if we could offer this kind of forgiveness to each other, within our families, in this city, this community. If what we, I imagine in our lives, in our church, in our world, our families, our jobs, imagine what it could be like if we were truly free of the, the bitterness and spitefulness that damages our relationships and sours the witness of our churches in the world. Who is there? that you need to forgive.
And I said it already. We're not playing here. I'm not just speaking because Wes asked me to. <laughs> no, this is, this is like we're, we're standing before God here. And he's saying, I've forgiven you. And we need to think now about who we need to forgive. Who's hurt you? Don't worry about, you know, who needs to forgive you. Who do you need to forgive? I know it's hard. I know the pain is real. But if we can get to the place where we have understood well enough the manner of God's grace to you and I and have drunk so deeply from that cup that we are then able to offer that same forgiveness to others. The world will notice And the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, may it be. We, we are so deeply grateful. Lord, some of us, the challenge is we haven't fully appreciated the, uh, the evil of our sin, Lord. We haven't fully appreciated just how big a debt we owe. Eternity is not enough. Uh, for us to repay by our own actions, our own strength, the debt a sinner owes to a holy God. Lord, we don't have it in us. That's why we've needed your grace, your mercy, even your pity, your love. And we've received it. Lord, we want to show how we've received it by how we act toward each other. So Lord, I... I know it's real in my life. I know a little bit about some of what exists here in this community. I know, I, there, I mean, there's so many things, Lord, I'm sure I don't know about what's gone on between people, what, what we have to bear, what we're dealing with, Lord, as individuals, as, as your children. Lord, some of us have been hurt by our spouses. I know that for a fact. Lord, some of us have been hurtful or been hurt by our, our children, by our friends. And Lord, we've, we've sometimes taken too much delight in cherishing those hurts. Lord, we've nurtured those pains, those uh, grudges, and we've made them precious to us. 